All right, everyone. So welcome back to the show. I've got another good friend uh, on the podcast as a guest today. I kind of met him, I think. Um, maybe it's been like already a year, maybe like a year and a half, maybe going on two years or so. Time always seems to fly. Uh, but I have a good friend that I met uh, recently. His name is Alec Ripchinski. I actually practiced pronouncing his name for a little bit uh, before the podcast. I was thinking of just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to say your first name and we'll go along with that. Uh, but I have a uh, I have him as a guest today, and he's been in the holistic health and fitness industry for probably already like 12, 15 years or something around there. And as you guys know from the other podcasts, I'm kind of focusing heavily like the first half of the year on why we don't see that much lasting change in, a, in Americans like mental and physical health. Sure, there's oftentimes you'll see, you know, the short term successes, et cetera, et cetera. But oftentimes, especially like I quoted this number um, with fat loss clients, for example, like 80 to 90 percent of people that end up losing their unwanted or excess body fat end up regaining all of it, if not more, within a two or three year period. So sure, you see that kind of short-term success story, but you don't see the after-after picture uh, oftentimes. And I'm sure many of you guys have coworkers that have embarked on fat loss journeys and successfully have lost the fat, but then you see them a few years later and they're back to where they started, if not even in a worse position. And it's the same thing with various other health issues as well. So just to, and I already kind of quoted these numbers, but just to kind of um, overall go over the numbers in terms of the general health of Americans these days, although, you know, there's a lot of advancements in medical science. There's so much new research on nutrition, on psychology, on physical fitness. I mean, it's endless and the research is great, but the only problem is Americans are this, uh, the sickest like physically and mentally they've ever been. And it just seems to be getting worse. So just to kind of list a few numbers uh, down your way, I mean, nine out of 10 Americans these days, nine out of 10 American adults these days are metabolically unhealthy. Uh, we have about 800,000 people dying every single year from heart attacks alone, 650,000 dying from cancer, 105,000 dying from type 2 diabetes, 180,000 dying from strokes, 130,000 per year dying from properly prescribed medical drugs, uh, 100,000 just dying from alcohol. And then we have the whole COVID deal, you know, the last two, two and a half years. I just checked today, it looks like America is up to 1 million deaths and 75% of those deaths, you know, probably arguably could have easily been prevented if the people were metabolically healthy, which nine out of 10 Americans these days are not. Uh, so that's like basically 750,000 deaths. So depending on how you're calculating the number, I mean, annually we're losing about two to 2.7 million lives to what I feel is like fairly um, preventable deaths as well, just through minor, even not even mastery, but just minor lifestyle and nutritional changes. And I was wondering what your take is on this, Alex, because I'm pretty sure you've seen this problem unfold. And um, just kind of your take on why you feel lasting change is just so rare to see in the, in the medical, I would feel even in the fitness and holistic industry as well. You just don't see that many people getting better overall long-term yeah because people it, i think this overall thing is a mindset issue you know you go to school you're taught what to think you you get pulled over you're you're told what to do you're you get sick you're told to go to the doctor or you know a medical expert uh and same thing is you know you're you're gaining weight by the food that they're telling you to eat 
And yet then you go and you do a diet. And I still think the Rastafarians got it right by calling it a, a live it instead of a diet. And they're thinking they have to change this thing for temporary gain of themselves or you know fat loss or whatever they're trying to accomplish, relieve symptoms, whatever the case is. But I think this is more archetypal than that, where people are in our society conditioned to behave a certain way, which is almost Pavlonian. You ring a bell, get a treat, ring a bell, get a treat. And that over time, they don't realize their people are conditioning themselves to thinking, oh, I do this thing, I get rewarded with whatever it is, self-esteem, compliments, maybe a different position at work or uh, a different spouse. And then how many people do you see that, you know, that start off really in shape to attract the spouse and then both of them get together and they're like, whew, we don't have to do this anymore. And then everything goes out the window. It's, they were doing that superficially, unconsciously to get a certain result but then when they get the result, they throw it all away. And you see this happening in professional athletes. You see this happening in people who win the lottery. You know, they made it to the top league and now they kind of slack off because they're making the big bucks. They're good. And you start, you see it in the lottery uh, winnings. When you were talking about uh, the people who gain weight back after they lose it is pretty close to the same statistic that people that win the lottery, how fast they lose it. And, um, uh, so there's these parallel archetypal expressions of people sabotaging themselves over and over again, instead of realizing that the way they're living now, they've been conditioned to live. Now, when they change their behaviors, their diets, their water, they go through all of this trouble to now drive to the gym, exercise, uh, take care of themselves. This is your new way of living. So get comfortable with it. And it seems to the conditioned mind like a punishment, but yet also to flipping, you know, to the next page a second, it's, if you look on Instagram, what do you see all over Instagram? People talking about either cheap meals or, you know, unseasoned, gross broccoli, chicken, rice diets that, you know, are telling you about macros and macros are the only way to lose weight, whatever the case is. And we're having all of these people now switch their lives. And instead of setting them up to make it a habitual process of self-care, love and respect for oneself into, okay, it's delayed gratification to something else. And then once they get it, or maybe they don't get it. And I used to bodybuild and my initial stance to get into bodybuilding a reason was to attract more women. And when I was 240 pounds of shredded muscle and, and human, you know, truck that I realized, man, women are afraid of me. So I don't know if this is quite accurate here. Um, so I think Ali's yeah. not to interrupt you, but I think you should have been hanging out in powerlifting gyms more. Those women would have been totally into you, you know? <laughs> They're like, they don't even talk to you unless you're like 220 plus, you know, they see you as an inferior male in those environments, you know, because probably the chick is like around 200, 200 in that environment, you know, yeah. <laughs> from my experience. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But also realizing that wasn't the caliber or quality of women that I was actually really wanting to attract and keep around. And uh, 
But yeah, that's where I think it comes from. I think it comes from this archetypal expression of people being one conditioned and needing to experience themselves sabotaging their lives and before they really come out of that um, uh, daydream, as people would call it, of illu uh, or illusion that they are, are somehow taking care of themselves, but the result isn't showing it, which is pretty much Albert Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And yes, the seeing that is painful, but yet it could be as simple as flipping a light switch and then finding a good professional that can help you. And hopefully the professional themselves are also taking this to the same degree that you are wanting to take this to, or even above what you're willing to do. So that way you always have someone that's achieving higher standards of health than you. And I'm not talking about, you know, your six pack or, you know, uh, you know, how good, how good you look on a camera. I'm talking purely on vitality, the way you feel, the way you treat your family, the way you treat your coworkers, your people in public, waiters, dogs, all those people, holistically, they all blend together. There is no separation of all of these systems. I like yeah. how Joseph Campbell puts it. There is no, there's no part of the spider web that you can touch doesn't affect the rest of the spider web. And uh, once again, we're, we're, it's the thinking that goes, well, okay, well, I'm going to go work out and then I'll get the result that I want, but not realizing, well, why am I going to work out? People don't even ask those questions half the time. Or why do I want to lose 15 pounds for a wedding? Or why, why do, uh, uh, why does my doctor keep telling me to lose weight? And why, sh why should I really take care of myself? Um, no one really asks, no one's really framed it for people like that. Like, why should you take care of yourself? Because you have kids, potentially, you have a spouse, they want to see you around longer. And uh, we know why, you know, big business wants you around so you can keep pushing buttons and, you know, filing papers and things like that. Um, but even then, you can still have deeper aspirations for um, growth in your own self and how to set an example for other people and serve other people. And um, most people are under this Christian ideal where you have to sacrifice yourself for everybody's uh, needs. And then you put everyone else first before yourself. But the real illusion there is if you've sacrificed yourself, you can no longer help people. And so these are the same people that have no time to go to the gym or go to the grocery store or cook a meal because they're under this guise of I'm doing it for someone else, but then they get sick because they need a break. And so their body will make them sick. Um, and the story continues to unfold. Yeah. And I find a lot of times before they get sick, they actually grow disgruntled towards the people they're trying to help because they're taking so much energy away from themselves and uh putting it onto others you know like i think like for example like being selfless oftentimes acts as a foundation to gaining that unwanted body fat never making time for yourself and guess what if like you know uh if your needs aren't met first no relationship or like occupation will ever last long term and even if it does you're going to be miserable the entire time so it kind of sounds like a little weird. It's like, oh, you know, what do you mean like being selfish? Because it's so opposite of what we usually hear because selfish is usually kind of uh, painted in a negative negative term. And it could be if it's done to the extreme as well. So don't get me wrong, no absolutes here. But oftentimes if you're 
you got to be selfish if you want something to turn to last long term. But before you be selfish, you have to be like very clear on your core values, obviously. And a lot of people don't even understand the importance of even mapping that out and using that as a blueprint and their foundation to like everything they do in life. So presuming you are clear on your core values, you know, you do have to be selfish and you have to make sure those core values are met before you go into any relationship or like the bulk majority of them, at least before you go into any relationship or occupation as well, if you want it to last long-term, because if you're getting in a job, for example, and it might be great pay, it might kind of lure you in for sure. You might be motivated, you know, for like a year or two and really excited about the pay and the social prestige of getting that pay and the things you can do with, with that money, et cetera. But Hey, when you're spending you know, eight to 10 hours a day on that job that's not meeting your core values, guess what? Over time, you're going to start growing disgruntled towards that work. You know, in the back of your head, you're like, you know, you're being fake to yourself. You know, you're this person and now you have to be this person for eight or 10 hours a day. And then that one time when your coworker doesn't, you know, do their share, then you have to do their work. You don't even want to do your work, but now you have to do their work. Then you grow disgruntled towards that coworker then that boss is getting on top of you. And I'm sure everyone has experienced this to some degree in their life and they know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, chronic stress through the roof, which sets, which sets up a myriad of cascade of like negative mental and physical consequences long, long term. And it's just a negative downward spiral from there. And surprise guys, no, no boot camp or nutrition program is going to help you at that point. I promise you. Uh, you'll be on damage control and it's not going to be sustainable unless that aspect of it is fixed from the root up. But Alex, you mentioned something very important. And I think this is actually one of the most challenging aspects of just kind of like an average everyday person pursuing their health and fitness goals. Because a lot of people, I feel they do put effort into it initially. But the problem is, is they just run into the wrong health professionals. So look at the average person's perspective, you know, they're not spending multiple hours a week, like me and you reading up on various health topics, mental and physical health topics, taking courses all the time, et cetera, et cetera. They're just going into this like a blank slate, you know, what do they have in their mind that they see on TV constantly? Like I have a health problem. I'm going to go to the doctor. Like, what is the doctor? Of course, you know, don't get me wrong. If you have like a broken leg and stuff of that sort, that's what you got to do. And they really do stand out there. But for any chronic lifestyle diseases, which that's pretty much the bulk majority of, of people suffering, uh, they're going to go there and they're just going to get like a prescription drug. Uh, there is no chat about any like how to get to the etiology of anything, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, if it's not the medical industry, what else does the average person have? They're like, well, I'm going to go on Instagram and find like a, a fitness guru. I'll look for ones that have like a million plus followers and uh, they know what they're talking about because they wouldn't have like a million plus followers if they didn't. And then they're oftentimes getting these like pre-made template workouts, which are bogus because the coach has never even seen, seen you. So how could they give you advice? Imagine going to the doctor and before they see you, they're like, here, take this medication. You're like, wait, you don't even know what's going on with me. How, how can you prescribe medication, you know? And that's exactly what these pre-made template programs are. And oftentimes, you know, you have a lot of charlatans in that industry too, in the ballistic and health industry, are oftentimes using a tremendous amount of drugs to gain their appearance, selling themselves as they're not and selling their health advice. So it's oftentimes just really tough to find good advice. So what, what's your take on that, 
Alex, and I feel it's becoming tougher with the internet now because they're the average person is just getting bombarded with so many answers. And I feel the people that stand out the most are ones that have to portray their message as an absolute, where in human health, there are no absolutes. It's so variable from person to person, but if you don't portray it in that simplistic form of two legs bad, four legs good, you lose the general audience and you no longer have a mega following anymore. You know, no. so I, I don't know what your take is on that. I feel like what you said right there, they highlight everything in absolutes. And if you find someone that highlights everything in absolutes, then you should find someone else. Because then... If they're saying, like, for example, I only found this out of several years ago that maybe like five, five, six years ago, um, that in the Russian language, there's no word the. And so when when in Russian, you can't say, here is the God, which means an exclusion to whatever everything else. This is the singular plural one God. So whenever there is someone that's talking about the method, you're already a recipe to collapse the experiment of, uh, of maybe I can get myself back on track here. Because uh, if anyone's ever studied quantum physics and you know heard of the Heisenberg experiment where they followed uh, protons passing through the double slit, if anyone's ever heard of the double slit experiment, and if they haven't, I'll do a quick rundown. Um, is basically they're, they're shot, these protons are shot through uh, this, onto this wall. And the single proton is uh, asked, basically the experiment is they think about, okay, we want it to go through one or the other. We want to see which one it chooses. So it turns out, you know, it was picking, you can see it on the back wall. And then, because um, everything else is covered, there's only two slits. They read it by when it when the proton hits the back of the wall, they go, oh, great. Okay, it chose left, it chose right. They can see which way it goes. So when they turned around, while the proton gun was still shooting off these um, uh, protons um, and analyzing data, they turned around and realized the whole wall was pretty much covered or behind even where the, the sl there were no slits. So they started wondering, huh, why is it doing that? And then the moment they observed the uh, the proton again it started behaving the same way that through the consciousness of whatever the experimenters were holding it to um, so we're going to have variability in so many things because the the linear logic of true or false yes or no gets extinguished when you start looking at consciousness or humans themselves and What's better is you can say yes and no and maybe yes, no, and maybe yes and no. And sometimes maybe that's not going to work. And I'll give you an example of that. I'll have clients that we come in and we start one protocol of diet changes that sets their body right. And as their body starts healing from certain things like funguses or parasites, molds, then as their body starts detoxing, I, we start seeing that, hey, their, their health is starting to go backwards. And then we're going, hmm, I wonder what's happening. So then we start playing with the diet and maybe even completely change it to a different uh, proportions or uh, different types of food or rotations. 
And then you start seeing them succeeding again. And it's because we're not afraid to drop a system when it's not working and move on to another one. Cause you can see it happening over and over again. And it happens in vegans a lot that are, you know, clutching on to the fact that they were healthy from veganism five, 10 years ago, but now they're sickly adrenals are burnt out and the skin is pale and have no energy to do anything. And they're supplementing like crazy to try to, convinced them, themselves and other people that they're still vegan for for what for health while they don't look like the image of health and so it's getting rid of dogmas is going to be really important for a lot of uh for anyone if they want to succeed with their health because what something that may work today may not work tomorrow i mean like some people that you know use some used a, a phrase to get someone off their back today may not get someone off your back tomorrow. So you have to change. You have to start using your own creative expression of how do I get the result that I want? And in this case, we're talking about potential manipulation of people because it's easy to grasp. Oh yeah. I remember when I did that to get a bully off my back and then all of a sudden the bullies evolved and now that didn't work. So now I have to evolve or you get beat up. So in this case, if we don't evolve, we get beat up. And it's the same thing with practitioners. If, if any practitioner is stuck in this linearized, do this or you won't get a result, ugh, then in, in, in my observation, it's if you stay in one system over and over and over again and never change, you won't get a result. <laughs> There's a good chance. But also, and there are people that have done the same thing over and over again and they swear by it and they live by it and it works, so I don't touch it. So here, here we have this instance of uh, this yes and logic where it doesn't necessarily mean that you will always be stuck in the same mode of thinking and the same diet plan and the same everything. Um, so that's hopefully what people find out of their practitioner as they talk to them or their coach or their therapist or the doctor or someone who's willing to hear them out and then provide them resources, feedback, try something. Hey, this isn't really getting the result that we're looking for. And it's because I used to work in a, in a gym. And I mean, there's people there for that. I, I only worked in a gym for three years. And it was, uh, there's been times, many people that have been going there through my whole experience of me working there, that they never changed. And my clients are losing weight, gaining muscle, whatever they wanted to do. But I'm like, why, how have you been coaching this guy for, or this woman for two and a half years now? And they look the same, sometimes worse. And I'm like, why don't you ask your, your trainer what's happening? Because in, in reality, you and I both know that it really, once prescribed the right routine, holistically, people, weight falls off of them. And sometimes it's work, sometimes it, their, their current occupation or their job. And funny enough, job etymologically means um, to be hated and persecuted. Um, so of course, no one likes to be hated and persecuted. So when they leave their environment that persecutes and hates them, then all this stress falls off of them. They feel so much better about themselves. And um, so the, it's someone that could look at your life holistically and get a good balance of an idea of what are you balancing in life? Do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Because what you also see on Instagram now is 
is people who are giving people so much to do and think about with the exclusion of what's actually happened in their personal life. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, you know, you know what I mean? All you have to do is meditate for an hour a day and then go for a walk for an hour a day and then make sure you prep your meals every day and make sure that you go to bed, you know, uh, at, you know, 10 and six, which is great, you know, 10 is great advice. And then, but limiting people and then they're going, well, I don't have time to do any of that and take my kids to school and go to the grocery store and do this. And so they don't have the patience or the know-how to learn how to implement things properly with, with in mind that the people are people. Like I remember being busy all the time. I remember grinding and I, and then going, I don't have time. I have to pick my, my poisons of, well, actually my, my health choice is going, okay, well, what's the biggest bang? Am I going to, okay, I got my water, I got my food in check, but what, what do I have time for? Okay. I have time to go for a walk. Oh, I can take my kids for a walk with me. Wonderful. Oh, I can, I can get a little, I got a little bicycle harness a trailer for my kid. Now, okay. I want to go over a bike ride, but they got to come with me, but I don't have that time to do the sauna then. Okay. Well then tomorrow I'll do the sauna early. So it's like, there's so many factors that need to be played into, but if, if someone was giving me advice and never asked me about my life outside of the box we were in, then yeah, I would have, I would, I would, I wouldn't be confused as to why I wasn't getting any results. Uh, and, but people that are confused should ask, well, why am I not getting the result? Something is off. Well, I think like, well, to answer like a few things, you brought up a few good points. You know, variability is so important to consider. And unfortunately, just until a person like hits a lot of pain in their life, they're always going to be seeking easy answers to difficult questions. And just even the most, I find even the most like minute of health issues, let's say simple things to solve, like type two diabetes or high blood pressure, you know, even which people don't think are simple to solve. Yeah. Which are actually, it's actually not true. It's very simple to solve. But it has to be approached through a myriad of variables. You know, it's not just like a quick, like, do this one little thing, uh, take this, you know, metformin and all your problems will disappear. No, I promise you, they will just get worse. Like the saying goes, I'm pretty sure, you know, if you have, imagine like, um, let's keep it like simple, like street, street talk here. Like imagine, and I know you've heard this before because it's popular in the Czech Institute, but imagine like, uh, Alex, if you have like a rock stuck inside your shoe, and I told you, leave that rock inside your shoe, but take these painkillers instead. Like how stupid would I look to you, you know? But welcome to like the medical industry 101. Have high blood pressure, oh, here's high blood pressure medication. Let's not get to the etiology, change your lifestyle, change your perception of stress or how you manage your central nervous system or your diet. Here, just take this medication. But the only problem with that model is not the fact that these medical drugs and I'm calling them drugs, they're not medicine. People have to remember that they are drugs with oftentimes very serious side effects long-term that oftentimes are even more complicated to treat than the initial issue that the drug is used to treat. But yeah, let's not get into that and let's just give you this, you know, and oftentimes, unfortunately, the behavioral pattern and the belief system that led to the high blood pressure will lead to a myriad of other mental and physical health issues in a long enough time frame if they're not already there. And guess what? That high blood pressure medication doesn't treat those other issues. So what are you going to do when those other issues pop up? You know, you're going to just take more drugs, which require, which give you side effects and then require more drugs, which also give you side effects. And then all of a sudden you find yourself 
on the 401k plan of your local pharmacy, you know, pharmaceutical company, and they're getting rich off of your kind of, I hate to say it, but just, and it's not your fault. You're just kind of being taken advantage of in this point, but your kind of ignorance and unwillingness to find real answers for real change. So variability is huge. And, you know, like for the blood pressure situation, I mean, why one person has high blood pressure, let's say like they have like, like a reading of 150 or something. And the other person, which is like same male, same age, same genetics, whatever, has 150. You know, the reason of why they develop high blood pressure could be completely different. So the approach has to be completely different as well, or you will never create lasting change. The best thing you will do is create short-term relief in this patient, and they will develop other issues most likely, and most often never solve that initial issue, high blood pressure being an example here. And um, I don't know what your take, what your take is on that. And I don't know like how the, um, once again, emergency medicine, love those guys. I think they're really true, like angels in the sky. But how do you think, like, how's the medical industry going to bounce back from, I hate to say it, but just misleading people with chronic lifestyle diseases, you know, giving them false hope that really just taking these dangerous drugs is really going to provide, it's the silver bullet that's going to solve all their problems. They might not sell it that way, but I guarantee you the average consumer perceives it that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate to say those things at all. I mean, it is, it is the truth. And I love saying the truth and, uh, most people, and here's life-changing advice for anyone that has symptoms and takes medical, uh, uh, drugs is go look up the drugs that you're taking and go look up the symptoms that people have gotten from those drugs and see if they don't mirror the exact symptoms that you have since you've started taking them. And if, once again, the things that we're talking about, and we're not, yeah, we're not talking about, the, you know, you get hit by a bus and then these surgeons put you back together and they have to give you antibiotics and they have to, you know, anesthesia, uh, anesthesia and like, yeah, exactly. Angels, you know, people, people are born with bad hearts and bad livers and, you know, for, for plethora of reasons, karmatic reasons, from biological reasons, from, you know, parents not taking care of themselves, either reasons, uh, genetic reasons, and, so many things. And I wanted to clarify, we are not talking about that. We are talking about people that go to the doctor when they get headaches or when they eat too much and they can't look at what's happening in their system. And then, then their body starts falling apart. Like if you never changed your oil in a car and you're going, you know, mechanic, why is my engine keep exploding? And you're like, and your engine and your, and your uh, mechanic never told you, you change your oil is routine maintenance. I'm like, why am I driving on my rims? You should change your tires. My 16-year-old, she came up to me the other day. Hey, why's my gas mileage? I have a Prius. You should really drive a long time. And I go, when's the last time you change your oil? She goes, what? How, what do you mean change your oil? I'm like, oh, God, we got to get your oil changed immediately. You've had this car like six months. Like, okay, this is bad. And no one tells people these things until someone tells people these things. So, um, what it, what, what's going to happen is already happening. Two things happen. Doctors either go, oh, I've killed a lot of people potentially, and it's time for me to be better. Or the ego steps it up a notch and it turns up the dial of the shadow and goes ignore. Or if you, if anyone's ever read the book, uh, Dispelling with Tico by Paul Levy, they're going to really step into their 
their Watiko or their deep, deep unconscious shadow and, and even double down or triple down even harder and go, this is the only thing that's going to save people. And then you're going to have this huge polarity, which is, um, uh, it's probably not that podcast, but I like talking about it, which is, which is like, man. okay, cool. Which is like the, the same thing as what happened with Jesus. Jesus is the light. And with the light, the universe, since the universe demands balance comes with the devil. So there's even, uh, the, the, the talk says there was no devil before Jesus came around because he took the darkness out, not became whole, took the darkness and separated it from himself. But the universe is as a dualistic system needs balance. So here we have a polarity of good people who are trying to achieve whole uh, uh, of light in the medicine space. And then we have the same kind of experience with people trying to achieve darkness in this space and why i think wholeness is important especially in a practice and, it, and the way it shows up is when you give someone a detox protocol and they are crapping their pants and they're uncomfortable and they're getting sweats and they're waking they're getting up in the middle of the night and then you remind them that hey this is part of the process this is that darkness that needs to leave this is that that sludge that's been in your arteries, in your veins, in your, in your fat tissue. These are the toxins that you've been hoarding in your system because of this bad advice. Now we got to go through the storm as the Buffalo does to get that, to get that detox out of our system. So we can go back to enjoying things that we really love, like mountain biking or, or playing with our kids or routinely exercising or providing for our family, whatever it is. Um, this is this, these are the things that are currently happening and are going to keep happening as long as there's as polarity exists and as long as we are humans we're going to have polarity um, and you see it even happening through 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 the media you have left and right you have people who think they have no gender versus people that do have a gender and and we're creating polarity and we're trying to extinguish polarity which is an illusion because if there's no polarity then we there'd be no attraction it's like if you cut a magnet in half, thinking that you're going to separate positive and negative polarity, the moment you cut a, a magnet in half, now you have two positives and two negatives. You, they're still going to have a positive and negative pole. Um, so we need to get or not get rid of. We need to learn and, and transcend to the next level of thinking, which is I've experienced this lower level of consciousness, this idea of the societal way to take care of ourselves and now it's time to move on. That was fun. I'm sure people listening also have had bad relationships um, and, or let's say not bad because they're all learning experiences because I don't know how many people come here and they think, I wish I would have met you 10 years ago. And then as they're telling me about their life, I go, you wouldn't have listened to a word I said 10 years ago. You didn't have enough pain in your life to come in and then go, oh yeah, I value this insight deeply now. So um, back to the relationship thing is people have had terrible relationships. I'm sure that were really uncomfortable. And let's say we're not talking about the person, their contribution. Let's say they dated an alcoholic or uh, an excessive, you know, a uh, person that's caught in a shadow or drama. They love the drama of life and, and they realize that they didn't like it. So now their consciousness is aware that I don't like this anymore. I'm going to move on to, I'm going to attract someone that isn't like that. 
And uh, let's say in this analogy, they don't keep attracting those same people. They, they go to the next level and they attract someone that doesn't have that drama or they don't excessively drink or they don't um, basically fits within their core values. Without that polar uh, experience of polarity, they might, they might not ever know what, what happiness is because of that pain that they've experienced. And then you also have a lot of spiritual practitioners that are basically spiritually bypassing their way to, to, to the top, thinking that they've understood it all and, you know, getting rid of the darkness and, you know, you know, good vibes only, and this is the only way to do it, but that's also a, a dangerous game. And you see it with people that are like, I'm going to eat, vegan or i'm going to eat only gluten-free and then they eat terrible gluten-free stuff and you know i remind people also that oreos are vegan and you can eat packets of oreos and still be under this illusion that you know you're a healthy vegan even though your body your mind your behaviors don't reflect it um and it winding it back to the doctors i i can even imagine i wanted to be a doctor at some point and then I didn't because my GPA was terrible and I couldn't even get into college or medical school for that fact. And I didn't want to put in that work and I went right into training and fell into this and I'm so happy I didn't. But I know that there's an archetype of a healer in me. And the same thing with most people that go into these, uh, uh, these, these lines of work that want to help people. And then they're indoctrinated and then brainwashed, pressured, coerced, uh, to the degree that they might lose their medical license that they worked so hard for and they have choices to make. And I know several people that have said, you know, screw it. I'm done with this. I'm going to go do my private practice or whatever it is. I'm going to bite the bullet. I can't live like this. I will die if I live like this. Um, so, but mostly we see the general public with the general population of what you see in the news does not even come close to what actually is happening in real life. Um, especially dentists are evolving. Doctors are evolving. Um, especially the doctor we go to Sarah, Sarah talks, they talk for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And he really gets a, a good scope of what's happening. And it helps that Sarah speaks medical lingo so they can catch up a lot quicker, but most people don't because they don't take the time to, to look into these things. And, and, you know, people think money is a valuable asset, but I would, I would argue that to say that time is the most valuable asset that a human can have. Because uh, if you lose all your money, what do you have to do? Spend more time to make more money. And uh, it's the same, what, what is the Chinese proverb? Or is it Confucius? That says people spend most of their life spending their time to get money, and then they spend their money to get their health back. All right, and they sacrifice their health. Oh, they sacrifice their health to get money and then they sacrifice all their money to get their health back. And then they end up being well, balanced in their choices, but no far ahead because they didn't do it incrementally and taking the time to learn all these things. And um, yeah, it takes time and willingness and desire and love. I mean, yeah. that's what we're talking about here with people, right? And I want to go into all of those as well, but to go on, um, kind of touch on some things you've mentioned, I've actually, uh, I went on medical forms, I've actually reached out to doctors to talk about, you know, their 
you know, five to 10 minute assessments, not even talking about the root cause. And at times it's like on, I remember on internet forums, uh, I'll list, you know, like I'm doing like two to three hour assessments minimum, which I feel is like, honestly, not even enough time for even relatively healthy people as well. And um, I'm saying this and I'm like, well, how are you going to find out anything about the person in five to 10 minutes, a quick blah, 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 not getting to the etiology of anything, just asking, what are you feeling here? Taking a best guess and giving them medications and no follow-up, no behavioral change, nothing whatsoever. And they'll be like, well, you know, you got this and this. Well, you try to do it in 15 minutes, you know? And I'll be like, dude, I wouldn't. I would care about the client too much, you know? And if that environment, that job, which uh, that job didn't allow me to do that or that environment, like a hospital, for example, didn't allow me to do that. Remember, my first mission is to heal people. And I need the best environment to be able to do that. So if my environment is holding me down and prohibiting me from doing that, like my boss is saying, oh, you could only spend 15 minutes max with your clients, which a lot of hospitals do practice by that rule, then dude, I have to look out for my clients first and open up my own practice and do like my own thing. And at that point, they kind of, there is no reply, you know? Then it falls back to like, I'm just staying there because of the pay security. I have a lot of debt, you know? And obviously maybe I don't have uh, the confidence to have like business skills to open up my own. I mean, whatever. It could be a myriad of reasons of why a person decides why a doctor decides to stay employed by like a large hospital like Kaiser, for example, instead of doing most their of, own practice. Most yeah. of them, fun fact, um, they 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 get the top tier medical uh, graduates and they incentivize them by paying off their medical debts as long as they work for them for a certain period of time. So they're under contract, and if they leave at any point, they lose that. Uh, mm that ability to get their whole education paid for and yeah. and and on top of that get their salaries and things like that that they're desiring so uh there's a lot of people that are stuck in that as well yeah actually it's a good point i didn't i didn't know that but that that explains it well it's just the financial obligation basically falls under that you got a lot of student debt with a high interest rate and um good luck getting that kind of pay at a starting position at a corporate office or something like that, you know? But I did talk to some other doctors outside of those forms too. And you get like variable, um, variable opinions. Like some of them just go like, I didn't go to medical school this long to create behavioral change in people. But I'm like, okay, cool. Well, if first and foremost, listeners, behavioral change is literally the only way you're gonna have a final resolution, even the most minute and simplest of health issues, including excess fat retention. So without that, don't even, think you're going to have any lasting change because you're not unless you rely on dumb luck and relying on dumb luck will never work long-term anyways, even if it works short-term. But a lot of them are like, well, you know, I don't, I'm not here to be a babysitter and see them, see them change and change their behavior to create lasting change. I didn't go to medical school for that long to do that. But I'm like, okay, that's fair. You know, you're a medical doctor, you prescribe medical drugs. Okay. Uh, but you should have a network of people like, hey, you know, while we're prescribing you this anti-anxiety medication or metformin for your type 2 diabetes or whatever else, you should ideally go through this program with this holistic health professional, which has been screened and vetted by us, and go on their program. And we'll have follow-ups, you know, like once every other week, you know, or maybe weekly, like a quick call together to see how you're progressing from there. And we'll start you at this dosage now, you know, to get the ball rolling. But remember, uh, I care about you. 
So my job as a good doctor is actually to de-prescribe medication, not put you on more dangerous drugs. Okay, so I care about you and I want to reduce the amount of drugs that are hurting your body. So do this program, we'll start you at this dosage, but remember we wanna taper off this dosage eventually until you're completely drug free and healthy enough to not have to be on these dangerous drugs. I'm like, dude, there's your freaking solution right there. Like, okay, you don't wanna deal with behavioral change. I do understand it does require a lot of patience. You know, you have to have a lot of patience as a good instructor to really have good behavioral change with people, especially if they've been doing that for like four or five, six decades already in their life, then it's like super ingrained. And it is tough to reverse that. I'm not gonna blame them. It is, it's not as easy as like, hey, what's up? Okay, you got this here, here's some drugs. I don't even want to hear from you until three months, you know, come back in three months and we'll see how you're doing. No one freaking gets better doing that. Like literally no one. I don't even know how, you, how people have like the conscious to even practice like that, dude. I would just hate myself like every freaking day because I feel so bad for these people because they genuinely want to get better and they're looking for answers, but they might not be as educated as we are, for example, you know, about health and wellness and where to look. So for them, because of social programming, they really believe this, this is the best advice. This is the only solution. I don't know how you feel about that. If you feel bad, even like thinking about that sometimes, because I see these people and I'm like, man, they have families. And I see a lot of myself in these people too. And I could only imagine, like, I've had injuries before, you know, I had uh, uh, clinical levels of social anxiety before as well. So I kind of understand from certain vantage points how people feel and it sucks. And it's like, you just want help. But I did, definitely didn't get help. I got these five to 10 minute assessments here, some drugs. I never took them because in the back of my head, I always knew there was something off with that method. But uh, what's, what's your take on that, Alex, when you kind of see that, you know? On a human level, I feel terrible for these people. I feel sad. Uh, I feel grief for them. Uh, I know they're lonely because you feel like most of these people, when they're sick, they feel like they're alone in this and they don't know where to turn. And it breaks my heart. On a higher consciousness level, I really know inside of myself that if I didn't have pain in my life, it wouldn't have pushed me to be where I am now. So at one point it's, yeah, I feel bad. And then another point is the other side of that is keep going, break yourself. Cause no drug addict has ever gotten off of drugs, the true deep drug addict until they hit bottom. And then they crawled up and now they're better. And yeah, some people relapse, it happens. And even the healthiest of people eat, you know, over consume food and uh, have treats from time to time, but that doesn't mean they're an addict anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, well, depending on if we're talking about addicts or food, then, but, but still I would argue uh, they're very similar. And to that doctor's point of saying we don't create, create habitual change, I would respond, well, what happens when you give them pills to take when they get up and when they go to bed? Isn't that habitual change? You're asking them to create a habit. And then you're asking them to stay on top of that habit and behave a certain way to not make their problem worse. So that is another illusion that people, that doctors or 
these certain people who are talking like that tell themselves so they can feel better about what they're doing to people without actually sitting in what they're doing to people and sitting in that uncomfortable, painful space of the third leading cause of death in the world, which is medical error. And I think it's a bullshit excuse. I think it's complete crap. And, but it's a way that people can sleep at night. It's, it's the only way is convince yourself of the lie, but yet there's other things in their lives that are going to, that, that are going to fall apart, like relationships or their health or their psyche, or, um, you know, they'll pick up golf and then they'll go golfing and be hyper-focused on the little ball with a big stick. And they can see how far they can get the ball down the course and get it into the hole. Cause that's a, that's a really hyper-focused linearized distraction as to everything else in life. And then when they slice the ball wrong, what Carl Jung talks about as the projection of projecting their own inadequacies, pain and discomfort and shame, guilt, whatever it is onto a ball, or as we were talking about before the relationships or, you know, their, uh, their coworker or whatever it is. And we hear a lot about this in, in the holistic space, the word projection, oh, you're projecting, that's a projection. Everything's a projection now, but what people don't talk about is projection is the first step to consciousness because you have now taken that behavior and taken it outside of yourself so you can witness it outside of yourself because when it's inside of you in the unconscious, you can't see it. So when you've taken that behavior and you've imprinted it on a person and you start seeing this behavior everywhere, you can start to realize that you're behaving this way by first realizing what you're seeing is actually not a good way of behaving. And then the next step is realizing, oh, I behave this way. Oh, no. And then you have to deal with the, 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 the consequences or the circumstances and the feelings and emotions of that realization. And then you heal. Then you start looking for people that can heal those certain things. So, but not very many people talk about projection being the first step to realizing you're projecting or realizing that your projections are the first step to getting better. But if you go to a psych place, which is another form of a doctor, they're going to milk you for your insurance money to realize where that's coming from and all these things, which is great. But not many people are going to tell you, especially like the millions of followers that people get on these consciousness pages that are also superficial. We're not talking about health. They're everywhere. They're saturated everywhere. It drives me insane, especially as a you know, Czech professional who studied so many different things in so many different areas that it's all part of the process to get better. And if, and if I ask anyone, like if you took any part of your painful experiences away in your life, would it bring you to the point that which you are at now talking to me on the phone or on the zoom? Oh, you'd be a different person. If you took away that painful relationship or that painful childhood or that painful food experience or the doctor visits that gave you those experiences as to, you know, insight as to what the system is, we wouldn't be the people that we were. We would be able to help the people that, that are still stuck in that system. You know, we wouldn't be the first people to crawl out of that hole to then go fetch a ladder or a rope or reach our hand out to help other people come up. So on one aspect, 
I'm deeply saddened. And on the other aspect, I'm rooting for those people to peel the, the super glue off of their eyes and their hearts and their minds and the tape off of their mouth and realize that you could start at any point in your life and still achieve all of the things you wanted because with the right steps in place, it, you and I both know it doesn't take more than a couple of years to really get to the point of where you want to be. And then you live that lifestyle. And through that process, you find out how to, how, how to make really delicious food and how to take care of yourself and how to, you know, manage your time effectively and find the vocation that you really enjoy and find the practitioners and friends and people that fit your core values until you have your own little community. So that's what I think about that. I think it's great and it's bad and both are necessary or else yeah, we, would, same time. we wouldn't have work if everyone was healthy. We'd find something else to do. I'd probably go paint or or build things. I or live off grid. Yeah. <laughs> I need the internet because I work remotely. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, well, I actually want to talk to you a lot about that too uh, later on. But yeah, you mentioned a lot about um, social media influencers. And yeah, I'd like to touch, uh, get your opinions a little bit more about that because obviously that's a huge resource for a lot of people. That is where a lot of people go to try to find the answers to their uh, health questions, be it mental or physical challenges or of any sort. And um, a, lot of a lot of them just kind of seek out free information. But uh, I forgot who said this, but basically knowledge isn't power, like applied knowledge is power. And to, in order to basically apply knowledge, you need a lot of experience. Reading, like reading a book one time and like think, you might understand it conceptually or intellectually, but it's way different from, uh, just as an extreme example, reading a book on like karate or jujitsu. Okay, you understand the mechanics of a move. Okay, cool. Let's go see how you're gonna execute that move in a bar fight with four different people attacking you and one of them has a knife and one of them has a gun. Okay, let's see how that's gonna work out. And it's the same exact thing with anything health related. Like a lot of times I find it very interesting because a lot of people are like, well, you know, something broke in my car and I don't know how to fix it. Because I don't know how to fix it, I'm gonna to go to a mechanic and a certified mechanic and they're gonna fix it. But with health related things, which are monumentously more complicated than a freaking car a lot of people say like oh it's not uh, uh it's not rocket science indicating that rocket science is like the most complicated subject ever uh no it's not like scientists don't even know how human consciousness forms and human consciousness forms the foundation to basically what we understand about everything about life you think rocket science is hard try solving you know major depression in a person try solving various psychological issues or even something you know as simple as excess body fat retention You'll be surprised, it takes a lot of comprehension about the human psyche and physiology and lifestyle variables to really come to a comprehensive conclusion of what that person needs to do to be able to succeed. But it's funny when people are like, oh, I don't know, you know how to fix my oil, I'm gonna take it to the mechanic. But on the other hand, you know, I have extreme levels of anxiety that I'm going to understand easily by following these 30 minute, 30 second clips on TikTok or Instagram, and I'll have the answer and the resolution to my problem, no problem. And 
I think to a degree, if you are actually like a very experienced and competent practitioner already, like yourself, for example, actually these channels could open up different ways of looking at problems. Then you would obviously have to spend a lot of time researching yourself or go out and hire a mentor in that area to help fast track the area for you. But there's no freaking way you're just gonna watch even like a two hour podcast and have the solution to really come up to to a solid concrete resolution to what you need to do. Because first and foremost, this influencer has never met you. And how could you give advice to a person without even talking to that person? It's impossible. And a lot of times just the influencers, unfortunately, they hire uh, publicists and various marketing gurus. And it's simple, stupid. You gotta keep your, you gotta keep your uh, propagandist in Germany. I forgot his name mentioned this, but in order to have your message go mainstream, and be popular, you have to uh, keep it simple enough for your dumbest follower to be able to understand it. And so in a sense, you got to dumb down your message a tremendous amount and fall, once again, once you dumb it down, you almost fall back into those absolutes. Like you must always do this diet. You must always train this way. Because if you start actually talking about non-absolutes, which is how, how human mental and physical health actually works, you will instantly lose your mainstream audience because it'll become, with the attention span of today and the fact that the average American is so overworked and so unhealthy in so many myriad of different ways. I mean, look, walk outside literally anywhere in the States, literally freaking anywhere. You don't even need a study to tell you this. Just look around and nine out of 10 people you see are full of obesity and disease, full of mental and physical pain. This person's not going to have like the attention span of uh, the real resolution. I mean, look, going back on this, I'm kind of jumping around here. You basically have two choices if you're solving, if you're trying to solve a, even a minute health issue of any sort, whether it be a physical or mental, you could become your own mechanic. You could, it's a long journey, but you would have to, you know, read multiple books a week on that subject, take many courses, apply, apply, apply. Eventually you'll figure out you still have to hire a competent mentor. But the good thing is if you educate yourself thoroughly, you'll at least know better of what a competent mentor is. Or if you're super busy, you know, and you don't have time to devote to that. You just have to hire a very competent mentor and hope you land on the right one. And that's even tough, you know, finding the right one that could really help you as well. Um, I don't know what your take is on that, Alex. Feel free. Um, yeah, pe people think it's a lot of work, but anyone that's ever owned a small business or has a big business or any kind of business has an accountant. And the people that don't get swindled by accountants are the people that also learn accounting. So I am not an accountant, but I can look at my forms and go, that's off. I, I need to add something, remove something. This, this is not, this is not uh, labeled appropriately. Uh, I need to change that. Cause that's going to be, that's a deduction. That's not an income. Um, and so if you're putting your trust, even into an accountant, we're talking about health here, but if a business owner puts their uh, trust into an accountant, accountants have swindled millions and billions of dollars from people over many, many years. And you hear about these stories a lot. And so you still need to know, you still need to be the head of your company, which is your mind, your emotions, your movement, your food. Those are critical for anyone to succeed. And 
when I go back to these, when you, to go back to these influencers, by the way, it was Dale Carnegie that said, um, uh, knowledge isn't power until it's applied. Okay. Cool. And uh, I like that guy. I haven't read his books in forever, but he has a couple of good books. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say about the, uh, influencers. I hate when that happens on podcasts. Oh man. Train of thought and then it spaces out. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it'll come back like after we finish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> try to edit it in. But, um, but yeah, I think you're mentioning, and I think this is a big difference between coaching in Eastern uh, regions in terms of like Eastern Europe, Asian areas versus Western, because I find um, Eastern coaches moreover educate the person on their issue too and encourage them to self-educate. Like, look, I'm going to help you, you know, work through this depression and everything, but here are some books you need to be reading. You need to educate yourself on this too. So they kind of become their own mechanic at the same time. Where with Western, it's more like, um, I'm just basically going to tell you kind of what to do. Some people will be able to connect the dots, no doubt, without that education required. It's very rare though. But a lot of times it's not like they encourage you to educate yourself on that subject to to eventually become your own mechanic which you eventually have to do anyways because health mental and physical health it's it has to be like sustained and you're going to be doing the sustaining so if you don't know how the car runs the second your driver bails on you like what are you going to do you know like you don't know how you don't know how it runs so you got to learn how it runs yourself as well i think you're getting at that roughly yeah, it was, um, well, that brought up another thing is uh, people have kids all the time. And no one ever, well, actually, people treat kids like this too. Not, but not some, especially in America where you're like 18, get out of the house. I'm going to go do what I want to do now and, and let my health decline now that you're alive and everything's cool. But yeah, we need to change that whole mode of thinking. And, and most people that come to see me, and I'm not like a uh, in, inexpensive. I'm not a cheap cost. I charge $500 an hour, and with 20 hours minimum that I need to take in order to really know who a person is, to be able to give them proper advice and proper feedback and objectives that we need to solve. Or and and it takes so many more hours than that to really get through and get people healthy. And most of that time is is spent educating people on how to take care of themselves so they ultimately don't need me anymore and then they go refer their friends and that is essential to someone actually getting better for some people they don't care some people are tell me what i need to do and i am busy and i trust because all these other people have told me you're great and i've seen the result and i've seen them all get better which is why i'm paying you this money so you can tell me what to do because i am super busy and they'll hire you to come out to their house. You know, uh, they'll, I've had people, uh, had me interview chefs, all sorts of things. I've rearranged people's houses before. Um, people have moved, uh, after I've consulted with them, all sorts of things. And then there are people that are thinking, Hey, I, this is the last thing I can spend money on for myself. Please help me. And so I spend that time giving them objectives, assessing them, and also teaching them how to do it themselves. And what they, uh, what I've come to realize is they save thousands and thousands of dollars, way more money than I 
than they've ever they've ever spent on their own investment with me because most people don't think about let's say let's let's run this situation they overconsume some certain foods alcohol whatever they get sick they go to the doctor they get a pill they have you know um a certain pill that dehydrates a tendon they they you know hear of a crossfit class they go over exercise they burn their adrenals out their tendons are dehydrated they're dehydrated they're taking pre-workouts they're taking fake food they're eating bars their guts inflamed they're eating gluten dairy all sorts of things not organic but fits a macro and then they and then all of a sudden they get an injury then they go to their doctor the doctor sends them to a physical therapist which tells them do these certain things you'll get better then they then that collapses again and then they'd have this whole cycle most people don't think about how much time did it take them to drive to and from a physical therapist or a chiropractor or a doctor's office they're not taking that they have the doctors don't work at six seven eight o'clock nine o'clock at night they have a certain time and same thing with dentists they're not working after five o'clock they're done so you have to take time off work to go see these people drive times then what are the chances that you're going to go home and cook food you're not you're going to pick something up and here's the cycle continues and now we have this bar protein shake dehydration malnourishment or overconsumption. now they're spending their resources getting these food they're spending their gas driving to these places putting wear in their car and their car breaks and never did they think about this whole plan this whole habit that they're creating this whole cycle that they're creating for themselves that is eating up their their time that took them to gain these valuable resources that they were going to use to enjoy life raise their kids get a house or whatever their 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 desire is take a vacation and no they have to not take vacation because their body's broken they have to go to all these technicians and therapists and clinicians to get their health back for only a short period of time before the cycle repeats itself so coming to a person that teaches you how to take care of yourself is the same person that's works in their garage so that way they can live where they want to live take the time off of work whenever they want to take the time off that's the mindset of someone that is more successful mm -hmm. on all levels yeah and granted i'm not going to go too far into that whole thing because you have a lot of people that sacrifice to that ruin their health but we're this is we're speaking in metaphor here so that way they can see a picture of how this enacts is enacted in their life so they can see a pattern and if 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 this triggers an ego good because the ego itself is a pattern generator so what i'm what i'm sharing is how to recognize a pattern that your ego if it's bothered by it you should be listening to this conversation because this is the very thing that inspires the next level of transcendence to be better for yourself, for your family, for your community, for your kids, for your parents. You know, we were talking about quotes earlier. They post like Instagram people post cheesy quotes and they don't really know what they mean without the experience. Like an easy quote for me was be the change you want to see in the world. And I thought like, bah, got it. I be the change, like be nice to people, you know, and, and that's who I am inherently. But it wasn't until I started grasping that what I was doing when people weren't looking, but secretly they were looking. And then I, wa I watched 
my behaviors influence other people without saying a word. And most people have never actually consciously in their state that we're sitting in right now, talking to each other, have actually seen that play out because they're not, it's not even in the consciousness. They're like, it's on, it's on a picture frame on their wall somewhere as like a decoration, but not really any applied knowledge as Dale Carnegie himself has said, and then witnessed it happen. But they're too busy focusing on all the people that are creating drama and, you know, all these, you know, in, in gossip between each other's circles, realizing that they're pissed off that other people are gossiping while they're gossiping about the people that are gossiping. And it's an ego. It's a pattern. It's a pattern that happens. And you can't be the change you want to see until you yourself stops gossiping as a metaphor. And then other people stop gossiping about you. Or if they don't, then you can at least go to bed at night knowing that you're not gossiping about other people. And this is the same through health and, you know, as we go back to like Instagram followers, have you heard about imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome? I've heard yeah. about it, but what, what's your take on it? So in, imposter syndrome in simple is people who are saying one thing, good vibes, do, you know, eat this way, you know, do my workout and you'll get all the results that you need, but secretly are getting fillers and injections and plastic surgery and really rude to people or obnoxious or they come home and they yell at their family terrible relationships with their family and you know aren't really relating to themselves health-wise and uh so they're they're essentially imposters you know and we work from home so you come to, you come to our house when you when we treat you and you see how we live mm -hmm. but most people that you would you know see that are let's say influencers, if you knew their back end life and held them to task of how they presented themselves, they would have a very hard time being who they really were on a social media platform. And then, so now we have even Instagram uh, influencers talking about imposter syndrome while being imposters in their own life. That's how powerful an ego, a shadow is, where you will enact the very thing that you don't wanna become. And this happens very, very regularly mm -hmm. in the space. And, you know, once again, they, those people are giving us the limelight after the people that graduate from their Thought, thought process, their information, their, their, I've, ex, you know, the, the good students that go to follow them, they have exhausted the entertainment, they've exhausted their knowledge, they have exhausted how much information they can get, and then they end up seeking higher knowledge. And then they find mm -hmm. a you, a me, a Paul check, they find, you know, people like my wife, Sarah Gustafson, they find people who are actually interested in helping people. And then they realize, oh, this is going to take some work initially, but like your life, you don't think of it as work. Like you don't think about cooking, you know, getting your, your food sourced properly. It's not work. It's like, it's what you do now. It's like how you take, how you breathe. Like, oh, what kind of, where do I get water? Like you're going through a, a grocery store and you see plastic, 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 get the glass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, 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 it's 
you don't even look at the price tag. It's 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 better for you long term, period. And people don't aren't patient enough to really see the fruits of their work out in their own lives. And they expect that if I plant a seed today, I can eat the fruit tomorrow or maybe even later that evening. And that's an uh, Amazon, that's an Amazon prime growing level, uh, delivery. Yeah. But to, uh, Alex, to touch off, I actually, in terms of, you know, people saying like, for example, your services are too expensive, but then spending like exponentially way more money just unconsciously or sometimes even consciously on other stuff. So I actually ran the numbers and the average American spends eight to $16,000 a year on non-essential expenses. These non-essential expenses being defined as alcohol, eating fast food out with their coworkers every lunch, subscription services. Hey, it doesn't matter if I'm full of health problems, skill and conditions, I'm overweight, I gotta have that new iPhone. So I gotta buy that because that's gonna really let me fit in and be happy in life. Jeans, and I'm not even counting travel. That, that uh, eight to $16,000 a year isn't even counting travel, but you know, you go to Western Europe, especially with family for like two weeks, that could be like 10 K easy right there. You know, of course it depends on how you travel and stuff of that sort could be even more, could be a little bit less, but not that much less than 10 K for sure. And the average American also spends about like $5,000 a year on medical expenses related to poor lifestyle and nutritional habits, not your genetics for most of you. And when I say most, I mean 99.8% of you, it's you doing it to yourself. You are causing your own pain, which is not a negative thing to say, because if you're doing it to yourself, guess what? You can stop doing it to yourself. And if you don't know how to stop doing it to yourself, you have two, literally two options. So you will remain in misery and pain your entire life. You learn, you invest a lot of time and effort into becoming your own mechanic. And eventually, you know, have, you're probably going to hire a mentor eventually with that path as well, because experience is always going to trump reading books, or you just hire a very good mentor right off the bat. You literally have those two choices. And if you don't pick those two choices, it's okay. It's totally fine, but don't expect yourself to get better because it's not going to relying on dumb luck, uh, especially like you can't solve a problem with the same belief system that led to the problem. You have to have a third, like a competent third party look at your situation in a holistic manner as a whole being and help you navigate around your issues. And that's it. You have those two options. And you have to do one of those two if you want a resolution of your issues. Because if you don't, once again, and I'm saying this again and again, because it's kind of sad to see people try their best to do literally everything but change, you know, change the behavior and the belief system that led them to that problem. Because, I mean, it almost out of desperation, you know what I mean? Oh, what can I do? And it ends up being way more money and way more work long-term trying to look for these shortcuts and easy answers where no easy answers exist. Uh, and oftentimes frustration too, you know, and stuff of that sort. And Touching up on another thing that you mentioned, I think also uh, with the imposter syndrome you mentioned, I think the issue with that is, and this is why people have a hard time finding real, true health advice, be it physical or mental, is because a lot of 
even the very competent one, I would even say like even ones that are very, very smart, they're very smart at tinkering and changing things while still being plugged into the matrix. They themselves are kind of still plugged into the matrix, the society, which I refer to in general as the sea of mental and physical pathology. You know, if you have like nine out of 10 people, you walk outside anywhere in America and you're seeing nine out of 10 people are full of uh, obesity and disease, mental and physical pain. You're like, well, clearly freaking something's not working. A lot of things aren't working clearly. And let's refer to this, you know, like the matrix. And I feel a lot of these health practitioners, even ones that are very like popular oftentimes themselves are also equally stuck, if not more stuck on this matrix. And they're smart, you know, of how to change this variable here, change this variable here. But oftentimes it's like, dude, like literally stop trying to exist in this swamp, like step out of the fucking swamp and all of a sudden shit becomes easy. And not like these complicated algorithms of how to stay healthy. I got to do this and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, you do when you're super fucked up and you're in an environment that's leading to you to continue to be fucked up. And some people for sure, they could uh, make it happen. But hey, what do you think is easier? Climbing Mount Everest every day to make your mental and physical health goals happen or walking at the park? I think walking at the park and I think probably walking at the park to achieve those goals is far more sustainable as well. So like, for example, like you're from Ukraine. I was raised by my grandmother off-grid in Ukraine as well when it was still the USSR. And I mean this in the best way. And I say this a lot, like she actually never even learned how to read. And I could, and she died at 87, not even having to go into the doctors like a freaking single time, except when she gave birth to my mom. That's literally it. And I could tell 100% just instinctually based off her lifestyle, just naturally she knew a lot more about mental and physical health than even a lot of the most competent people I'm seeing here in the States that are making crazy amounts of money and people are really believing their systems work. But I'm like, look, like, it's not that fucking hard when you just step the fuck out of the swamp. Like, just step out and you'll see how easy it becomes, you know? I don't know what your take is on that. I know you're from Ukraine as well, so I don't know what your take is on that. My take on that is, you know, it's it's the more you listen to European people and like the old generation of, you know, I remember when I first started get, getting into the health space, uh, I kept, um, I remember, I remember someone being like, oh, saturated fat is good for you. And I'm like, saturated fat is terrible for you. Like you shouldn't be eating that stuff. And he's like, that's where all the vitamins and minerals, that's where all the minerals and vitamins are. Like, that's like the life, like you need to eat that. And then later I was like, oh God, he's right. Like saturated fat. But then I'd go back to going, well, the food that he's eating is not actually good for you. So now if you take that wisdom and you move it to actually good, sustainable food that was taken care of properly and raised properly, that wisdom applies. So I feel like there's always like a little breakdown. Like they have so much wisdom, but then the application of it is not, like fulfilled all the way through, like fruits are good. And then they put sugar on it and you're like, okay, well, where, where the, I don't know if you ate, uh, here's how I ate strawberries as a kid. You get a bowl of sugar and then you dip the, the strawberry into the bowl of sugar and then you eat it because it made the fruit sweeter. So yes, we ate bowls of, of fruit for dinner or for, for treats, but we also dunked them in sugar. So I'm like, mm, probably not the best thing that, you know, growing up, um, 
but yeah, I mean, when my parents moved here, I mean, they, they cook food. My mom cooks almost every meal. And then, you know, when we moved here, my parents would get, take me to McDonald's a lot. And that's why I was out of shape, why I got fat. I would have two Big Macs. I would have a triple thick shake and a supersized fries. And that would be like my weekly or monthly treat. But to my parents, they, they don't know that the stuff was made out of plastic and who else knows what, all the chemicals they use for yoga mats or whatever the case is. And the meat's not meat. Um, they're thinking, oh, someone hand milled, grew and hand milled this, pat, uh, made this bun. And someone go, went and killed a cow and now you have hamburger. And that is that mindset of, okay, we got to look further into this, even though you are correct, because there shouldn't be a problem eating like bread that you made yourself from like, we have amaranth growing in the yard all over the place. Like if I went and milled myself some bread with some grass fed, grass finished meat, and I put some, uh, some pickles and, and uh, that I, you know, we're going a little extra here, but it, basically if I made, if I made my own burger, there's nothing wrong with that burger, but the, people my parents didn't look further into it they're like ah we love him anyway we don't care if he's fat no big deal but i cared i cared when i was getting bullied and picked on and uh things like that um so that's you know the gen older generations have great amounts of wisdom and you know do you get do you have a dacha also a dacha meaning um like a outback kind of retreat kind of house yeah i didn't have one but Honestly, it was kind of like a like a like a ranch in general, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if yeah. that's considered a dacha or not. It wasn't a retreat. Yeah. That's just basically where we lived. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, you yeah. lived in the dacha, but yeah, my parents, my family had like a like a place you would go, and they'd have gardens there, and you'd go catch fresh fish, and you know, it'd be like a little summer thing, or you know. So, uh, but even then, I mean, we didn't, we couldn't pack food with us. We were out of town. We were in the middle of nowhere. So we'd catch fish. We'd grow, you know, pick berries and stuff and you know whatever was growing at the time and uh my mom cooked it and you know when i moved to the united states i was like a like a thimble like a little rail um and then very quickly on the american diet i became very very fat um i weighed more my dad weighed 135 to 232 pounds when we moved here and then by the time i was 10 I was almost 200 pounds and shorter than my dad and almost doubled his weight. So, uh, sure it was all muscle. Oh yeah. 100, 100% mobile muscle. Yeah. Non-functioning muscle. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, it goes back to like, uh, we were talking about, uh, uh, like influencers talking about, you know, how to, how to, how to eat. And then, saying things that don't make sense like macros we we're talking about macros you know th these are the same imposter uh that don't look further into it like if you start you start seeing themes through instagram space to the point where like uh this happened recently where joe rogan had a uh, a guest that said deadlifting risk to reward ratio is not good i started seeing fitness followers literally not even quoting the guy saying that in their videos with no thought 
but because it happened somewhere else and they can get traction for them that screw it. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to post a video about it. I want to say it because it's may not be true, but it's getting followers. It's getting views. So I'm going to say it. imposter syndrome. Then the same people that are saying, you know, you should uh, follow your certain macros. 500 plus is a deficit. You lose, a, you gain a pound a week or lose a pound a week, 500 plus you get a pound a week. And then they don't even realize that, that what they're talking about when you start seeing people that don't eat at all are gaining weight. And then they're telling those same people, you, you should eat more and don't worry about what you're eating, but eat more. Okay, so where did this macro conversation go out the window? Because I've seen people eat borderline nothing and get real fat. And I've seen people, and I'm sure you have too, that eat a lot and that are really, really lean. But we're not talking about calorie deficits here. So we're talking about purely energetic things. Like when, when the, like how do we get vitamin D from the sun? It's light. Like, does no one think about these things? Like it's a mineral, but we get vitamin D from light because we are light bodies. We are light beings. But no one goes to the next step and go, okay, well, how do we get a, a vitamin from the sun? By being in the sun. Okay, well, something, so when light hits our bodies, it creates chemical reactions in our system to produce certain things. We are light beings. You hear all this spiritual space. We are light beings. We have light bodies but we ignore, but we stick to the physical and ignore the fact that there's something outside of ourselves through our physical matter that is creating influence over us. As an example, I, I can't remember to what degree the atom is space. It's like, it's like 0 0.0 to the seventh decimal. Zero, uh, uh, one is all space. Um, which means that our existence physically, we are ignoring 99.999 to the seventh decimal space of existence. If we ourselves are 0.0000001% matter based on the atom. It's wild to think about. And now you have all these people who, have, who are conditioned also to now spend you know, 40, 50, 100, 200, half a million dollars on their education, their formal education that produces them wealth, hopefully, if they pay off their student loans or they get an occupation that can pay that off. But not many people, unless it's like you or I, are going to be spending our money that we've spent time working for, or depending on if you're business savvy, um, to spend that on our education. I mean, my wife and I, Sarah, and I have spent probably close to half a million dollars on education for what we do. And people, you know, don't really see that. They come in, they say, oh, oh man, he knows what he's doing. Oh, he's a, or, or oh, I don't know if he knows what he's doing. He doesn't have a formal education degree or, but if people saw the amount of money that we constantly spend to, to pursue and grow ourselves, it's beyond doctorate level. Mm -hmm. And so people need to really step back and go, okay, well, if I'm conditioned to teach my, to, to learn how to take care of my wealth for my family, myself, for the future, why is it weird or, you know, uncommon or so, um, you know, let's say repulsive maybe to spend money learning about how to take care of yourself 
that shouldn't be a, a stigma. That shouldn't be a, a removed mindset of people. It should be included. Everything you want to uh, learn, hopefully people have good teachers. Okay. You know, hopefully. Yeah, you're kind of hoping for a little too much there, Alex. You're being too optimistic, okay? That's funny that you mentioned that because uh, in terms of uh, edu health education. So here's the thing. Here's the thing what I don't like about like universal health care. What does universal health care for the most part cover is just symptom management, you know? And what do we talk about all of this podcast? The, the bogusness of like basically symptom management, how it keeps you running in a loop and not getting anywhere at the end of the day. And the funny thing is, is like, I feel if the government took a small fraction, uh, I don't know the exact number, but I know it will cost like a super small fraction of what universal healthcare costs because dude, medical expenses are so outrageously high, it's ridiculous. But if they took like a small fraction of that and just invested into teaching kids from elementary level through high school, maybe even college. I don't think the college part is even necessary, but just elementary through high school, but actual serious education in how to manage your central nervous system, what real food is, how to use movement as medicine, nonviolent forms of communication, how to identify your core values so you don't have a story gap that's causing insidious stress on your central nervous system that's causing you to stress eat, causing you to have bad night's rest, causing you various health issues, et cetera, et cetera. And just through money at that, you can still have the universal healthcare system because if everyone just kind of even had, I would even say a below expert level understanding of just those limited topics that I mentioned, you, you could still have a universal healthcare system because almost no one will use it in case of like a car accident or something of that sort. Some, so you can have the best of both worlds, but they're just throwing money at this symptom management bullshit because Sick people can't make healthy decisions. And last time I checked, our leaders aren't the healthiest people mentally or physically either. They're all overworked, very overweight, poorly fed, not every single one, but I would say easily 90 plus percent. And obviously this person hasn't been able to crack the health code. They don't know how to do it. So how are they gonna make initiatives and laws that are gonna produce a healthy population? And unfortunately leadership sets the tone for the country, you got sick leaders having sick followers and enforcing those sick followers. And um, I don't know, man, I hate to say it. And I just feel it's like just getting worse in that direction. It's kind of even increasing speed in that direction, you know? Um, if I don't take you off the train of thought, here's, your, here's an idea. There's 130,000 schools in the United States alone. How about getting them each 20 copies of how to eat, move, and be healthy? And that becomes required reading in your health class. Because we all take health class in high school. That was actually the only class that I got over 100% in, in high school. And I don't think I got one A in high school, except in health class, which, which I actually got 118% in. You had a health so, class? They just made me run around and track like every other day. I was my yeah. education. <laughs> yeah, I had I had PE and I also had I I I had to I, I got electives and I obviously always took PE because that was great. Like I got to I actually got a D in health class because I couldn't fit uh in a um in PE class because 
they actually were trying to fill out exercise programs and I didn't feel like doing it. So I got a D in, in exercise class, which is kind of hilarious, but in health, it was the only class that I strived in. And, uh, yeah, what kind of a, it wouldn't be that much money to get a, you know, even at reduced cost, spend a million dollars and get 10 copies of how to eat, move and be healthy in each school and make a required reading for each kid. Like, what would that do? And then they're going to go buy a copy for their parents. Something as simple as that, which teaches you the basics of how to take care of yourself. You know, what, what water to drink, what your gut's doing, you know, but then so many industries will crumble because of that. And then we would have to reset a lot of things, which I think is great. I mean, that's why they took down the, the, the cannabis industry, because God forbid we use hemp to make clothes and certain things and paper like the titans of the paper industry, we'd have to stop cutting trees down. And now they're making hemp concrete, hemp bricks, hemp houses. I mean, I mean, it's already happening on a smaller scale. And it's so much more sustainable. So that's, there's, there's so many solutions to how to fix this thing, but it would take once, like you were saying, our leaders to get on board and, uh, really like okay we're about to have a lot of people lose a lot of money but we're going to do it for the right reasons and the smaller the smaller scale what's what the biggest change is since we are in a democracy even though we're not treated as like we're in a democracy the people get to say what what happens but When's the last time you got to say what law got enacted? So technically, most laws are fraudulent if they were not voted on by all of the people that they were um, that they were being imposed on. Because if it's not a law that we all agree upon, it's not a democracy. So these these laws are actually fraudulent in nature, legally. Hi everyone! Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I'm curious, have you ever been confused by the labels in the grocery store? In Yevgeny's book, he demystifies the difference between caged, cage-free, free-range, and pasture-raised meats. He also covers how to avoid GMOs, source high-quality water, fish, supplements, and other related topics. It's a beautifully illustrated, non-technical read that comes with a comprehensive video series and other extended learning materials. Jump on Amazon and check out the book titled Anti-Factory Farm Shopping Guide by Evgeny Trefkin. Now let's dive back into the podcast. That's okay. Regarding what you said right there, I think also like, have you noticed with um, mainstream media, the second like a story breaks, what do you see on social media? People arguing about that topic, whatever it may be. COVID and then there was that like Rittenhouse guy and then the Will, Will Smith slap or whatever happened there and then there's the johnny depp lawsuit or whatever so imagine if they ran like on the news like hey take care of yourself you know identify your core values uh drink water you know like i don't know two liters a day or something like that get to sleep at 10 p.m wake up at 6 a.m you know imagine how easy that is to implement and what a massive positive ripple effect that would have on society instead of like people spending their time arguing about like bullshit when their life is like a fucking mess and they could spend that energy better just taking care of themselves better 
and being in touch with their core values. And then guess what? When you're in touch with your core values, you stop looking over your shoulder to see what the rest of the world is doing because you're too busy, like enjoying your own life and being you, you know? And I'm like, damn, <laughs> like, I feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sad just thinking about like where people are going. And the saddest part is like, they just don't know they're living in like a sea of mental and physical pathology. Like they'll look you dead in the eye and a lot of them will tell you they feel just fine. And I don't know how you feel about that because I'm pretty sure you run into that quite often as well. Yeah. I can only reflect on it from my life when I thought I felt fine. Like when I, from I am, when I went to IMS one, I can send you a picture of what I looked like in IMS one. I was uh, coming off an injury. I was 240 pounds, not shredded this time, but strong as a bull playing semi-professional football. I thought I felt great. I could run around, do all these things. And, uh, you know, uh, drink like an animal and I was doing all the things, you know, and exercising and drinking and eating. Uh, then, then I, uh, got into the Czech Institute and I was like, Oh boy. So then once HLC came around, I started getting that idea like, okay, I got to change some things up. And then it wasn't until IMS two or formerly CP one that I was sitting in class and Paul made a, uh, like, a like an appearance. And uh, everyone was asking him, you know, from the, I'm, I'm dramatizing this, but they were asking kind of superficial questions. What's the best glute exercise to grow your butt? What's, you know, you know, are carbs really that bad? And he, Paul was like entertaining people. And I remember, I'll never forget this. And I remember looking at him and I raised my hand and I go, Paul, what's the best way I can help myself get better? And the energy parted like Moses in a room. And then he, his whole like, pleasant demeanor left his face and he leaned in and he started tearing me apart. You got to get, you got parasites in your system. You got fungus. I can see this in your eyes. Your adrenals are shot. You got to, you know, go on this caveman diet, do that for, for a while and got to move at least three times a week. And I'm like, Oh God, he like he tore into me to a point where it was uncomfortable for everyone else in the room watching. And, but to my, and you know, in my mind, I'm going, this is exactly what I came for. And uh, so then following that class, um, I went, cut out all the processed food, cut out the gluten for, for, for sure, cut out dairy, um, started moving my body, sitting in the sun for about an hour a day, uh, doing Tai Chi, uh, working out only three times a week. And, um, and radically, my body changed. And I still didn't notice it until... I would go out with friends and then I would, let's say, go eat some like Buffalo wild wings. And then I'd feel how terrible I feel. And I go, wow, I ate like this before. And this is how my body actually feels. And then once you start going deeper down the process, you realize that when your body gets gut inflammation, your body can release drugs that numb the pain that you're experiencing. So you ultimately get sedated and you get, you normalize that feeling of discomfort so that way it becomes your new normal. Like when people say nowadays, like, oh, we should go back to normal. I was like, things were never normal even before, you know, what happened in the last two years. They were never normal. Like, yeah, what do you mean normal? Life full yeah. of misery, pain, and disease? Yeah. Nine out of 10 yeah. Americans are living that way. That's normal. Yeah. Nothing. I'm like, I, and I tell people, I'm like, you confuse normal with common because 
it's common for people to be obese. It's common for people to go to the doctor and get in when they're sick or whatever the case, it's common for people to eat fast food. It's not normal. Nowhere is it close to normal of how a human being on a biological level exceeds their, their health goals and standards. It's not normal at all. It's common. And people confuse those two words a lot because they see it a lot. So it must be normal. So ultimately, we, need, we do need to rewire the whole system. But I remember what I was saying earlier is it happens in small communities. Like the people that you impact are going to be much more open and they're, they're, they're going to make their choices with their dollar and what kind of drinks they buy, what kind of food they buy, who they put their money into. And is it the farmer or is it the big pharma? Or is it the big farmer that's getting subsidized to put wheat, corn soil over the planet or at least our country and then what to make our cows pigs chickens and you know sheep fatter and weird that's what we use to make people fatter as well we give them corn we give them soy we give them wheat we give them candy and the Stick same them in thing, a cubicle put so them they in don't a cubicle. move around <laughs> yeah here's another ego here's another pattern it's the same pattern if you're in that pattern it's very unlikely that you're going to strive in any health and fitness goal, or even like a, let's go beyond health and fitness and go at an intrapersonal level of joy and happiness in one person's life. If that's the mode of operation. And I'm not saying people that, you know, work in cubicles can't get that, which I feel that if you're listening to this podcast and absorbing this information and going to seek that, you could absolutely strive in that environment by putting plants in your desk and getting ergonomic desks. And, you know, maybe because I do believe in that there are enlightened mechanics, enlightened office workers, because they go home, they do their nine to five, they go home and they don't think about work and they spend time with their families and live, laugh, live life with joy. Live like life my with grandmother, joy. like I brought up, you know? Yeah. Like, dude. Like physically healthy and like uh, like you mentioned there, um, she achieved the rare trait of like mental peace in her life. I've never seen a person in so much like mental peace as her, for example. She just did it like naturally. She's not a PhD in psychology or psychiatry. Um, that's why I feel like, hey, you know, when you're living in an environment that facilitates health, like mental and physical health, and not in a swamp of like that normalizes mental and physical pathology, which society has become today, being healthy becomes super easy. It's just like effortless, dude. You don't need to have like a mountain of knowledge to make it happen, you know? You just need to master like a few basic traits in that environment and you're good to go, man. You're gonna be happy, healthy. You're never gonna be overweight, I guarantee it. Um, and, and if you do, you'll know how to fix it quick. Well, I think, I think, dude, the way we lived on that farm, I mean, you're lucky to actually be like, if anything, borderline normal weight, you know? Um, and I mean, look at hunter-gatherers 10,000 years ago. They didn't have like a life. I guess they had a tribe with maybe elders and stuff like that, but they didn't have like a personal trainer, a nutritionist, a psychiatrist, a 401k plan, medical program. And if you take out child mortality, they, left, they live to be very old older age, you know, 50, 60, 70 in full health. Um, they didn't have any vaccines or medicines or anything. And I mean, 
they just because they have like an environment that facilitates it. And I and I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of people just don't get better because they continue to be in the very environment that led them to all those pathologies and continue to harness that belief system, which is more uh, which is reinforced by that environment uh, that led them to all those issues to begin with. So, like, for example, uh, I've seen this with a friend and one friend wanted to leave corporate America, not going to mention their name because I don't know if they want to be called out. They eventually left, but it was hard because all of her friends were hardcore corporate workers. All they knew was the corporate lifestyle and they thought the entrepreneurial lifestyle was just suicide mission. You know, they're like, what do you mean? You're not going to have a daddy figure telling you what to do 24 seven. What do you mean? Like you're going to be able to take vacations and not have to ask your boss, AKA daddy for time off to be able to spend with their friends, you know? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like when you stay in that and you want to change, it's very hard because that mentality, even if it doesn't happen on the conscious level, just on the unconscious level, it sucks you back in, you know, and you stay there. Stuff of that sort. Do you remember where you left? All right. We had a small interruption there. I was talking about uh, how I forgot exactly what I was talking about, but it was something with environmental change having to happen, et cetera, et cetera. So we're starting back up here, and Alex, you mentioned you had some kind of closing thoughts. It was it was interesting because we're talking about looking around, seeing obesity everywhere, and then there's the archetype of the old olden times. How we're talking about our gen, old generations, and especially Ukrainians and Russians, and all those people had to be hardy people. And back in the day, the idea because if the idea of being obese is actually is a sign of wealth you have so much food you can eat you're you're abundant in food there's you know being being ukrainian russian i'm sure you have tons of superstitions that that your parents have told you about throughout uh, throughout your life and uh and so even with royalty they were always more fat because they had so much uh, so much abundance of food everyone was taking care of them meanwhile everyone else was starving outside who was making the food and the farmers and even the idols that they found like tens of thousands of years ago were worshiping obese women. And back in the day, because we didn't have hospitals and all these other things to keep people from like dying. And now you can even argue that there's also structural issues because of uh, or, uh, this ability that uh, that hindrance of childbirth because of structural anomalies that are happening because in bone deformations, because of our growth, because of the food that we're eating and what we're processed to. Weston Price talks about it all the time with uh, the indigenous people having eating the American diet. It took them three or four generations before they were starting to even adapt to the food. So it was, but until then it was withering their bone structure, making them much more um, like deformed, their teeth were falling out, things like that. But that is a thought that we need to move aside because we don't have that circumstance anymore in our lives where our women need to survive through a winter. And, and I've met people that were, had more fat tissue that were healthy. They weren't, in a sense, eating plastic and then their body had to somehow decompose that plastic to become tissue and eye cells and skin cells and heart cells, all those things, we need to move past that 
and go, whatever my body is going to look like is what it's going to look like if I eat healthy and I move right. But because we have all these overly normalized marketing that says we need to look a certain way, be a certain size, fit into a certain thing, get into a category, get basically like find the stall that you want to be slaughtered in and get into it because you're going to die trying to achieve these things without thinking that you're going to get repercussions or, or consequences from behaving this way. And so as our times change, our myth also has to change. And since the previous myth was, okay, well, women that were very petite and low body fat couldn't survive a winter. Well, almost everyone survives winter except even homeless people, I would say. People that live outside exclusively and are not and are shunned by society to some degree or another, um, they're gonna they're not gonna make it through a winter. But when you look around, it's not it's, it's, it would be weird if you found out one of your friends died because they didn't have enough fat tissue or warmth to survive a winter. You'd be like, wait, what? And, and so our myth is changing and it's, which is, which is the story of our people, our times, our, our, you know, the myth of like Alice in Wonderland or, um, you know, Little Red Riding Hood. Those are myths. Those are stories people can see being enacted in their life, but not actually as if it's told in the story. And so our myth is now changing to, well, we don't need that to survive anymore. Like we have a, we have the internet. I'm talking to you over, a, over cyberspace and information is being trapped, is almost telepathic. The, the internet is almost telepathic in nature where I can, I can call you at any point versus having to use my innate telepathy to talk to you. And so since that's happening, we can communicate with each other and share our ideas and share the food that we're eating and, and actually talk about the fact that, hey, we aren't dying of like not having enough food for the most part. And the, the people that are going, well, there are people that are dying. Well, well then why can't, instead of instead of starting war go hey let's pause the war like we had the olympics and create infrastructure for certain areas but once again i digress and i go back to what we're talking about and so a person like when i when i coach people i don't care what they end up looking like they don't have to have a certain bicep size or a certain waist size it's they're gonna tell you people as you start progressing through feeling better and then testing where that is like, Oh, I'm going to go out and do what I used to do. And then realize, Oh boy, you cannot. Then you start realizing, wow, I am getting a lot healthier. I realize I am getting more my memory back. Wow. I am seeing things brighter. Wow. I do have more energy throughout the day. Wow. I get tired at night, by the way, people, it's normal to get tired at night. That's circadian rhythm. You're supposed to get tired at night. <laughs> when you when the sun comes up you're supposed to be alert when the sun starts going down you should start getting sleepy that's normal hormonal rhythms another myth that people or another myth that people have turned especially in like the, the successful entrepreneur space where it's like and even in the athletic space like sleep when you're dead you will be dead and you'll do a lot of sleeping that and uh uh but we we're past that 
we have safety, we have security, we have sustenance, at least in the Western world, for the most part, we have, we have the capacity to talk to one another, influence our small communities, also observe what's happening, that we have a culture of healthy looking sick people that of, of, of men that can't get erect anymore in their 20s, of women that don't have their menstrual cycle anymore, that are having cysts and reproductive issues. Hmm, how interesting it is that you know our grandmas grandmothers were having six, eight kids because they were so fertile. And now there's people that can't get pregnant anymore, and no one's batting an eye on it, but also spending tens or hundreds of thousands getting fertility treatments. Yeah. And then, then you're you too expensive. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're the one that's too expensive. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh jeez. I can go I on for like... so many more hours here, but I think people get the message of what Alex and I are are getting to here. Um and I know a lot of people still won't take any action, but hey, just just remember if there's no serious behavioral change, no change in a belief system that led it acceptable to participate in that behavior that led to issue ABC, whatever it may be. Don't be surprised if you don't see a resolution in that issue. Just don't be surprised. And if you're okay with that, cool. You know, but then don't moan, whine when you get cancer, when you have psychologically induced chronic insomnia, when you can't have kids and you want kids, uh, et cetera. I mean, the list of symptoms is endless when you don't listen to your body's many cries for help. Uh, and it's up to you, you know? It's up to you at that point, but don't be surprised and don't whine. And especially for you guys, don't blame it on your genetics, okay? I hear that sometimes and I hate that cop out because genetics may load the gun, but it's your choice to push the trigger. You know, how you interact with your environment, your belief system, your mind with your food, et cetera, et cetera. So do you have like any other closing statements, Alex? No, not really. I think I think the rest will maybe go on a different and at a different time, because I feel oh. like it'll open up cans of worms. I, uh, maybe I do have a closing statement. Um, the definition of being a child is when needing to act responsibly does not. And the definition of an adult is when needing to act responsibly does. And if you live, if people live by that, going, mm, am I being responsible right now? And if the answer is no, then I'm, I'm no different than my toddler or my child who is not listening to me. And if you do act responsibly, then you know you're a contributing adult to not only society, but to your own consciousness, to your own health, to your children. And you are participating in being the, being the change you want to see in the world. And we need to get over getting complimented for the very things that we are innately responsible of doing. Yeah. Taking care of ourselves, moving, all the things. Raising our kids, you know not pressuring our kids. So like, look at all these things I do for you. It's like, yeah, that's what you signed up for when you didn't pull out. That's what you signed up for. You know? Yeah, so especially for those with, with kids. You know, kids learn from you by watching you, not necessarily by what you say. So if you show that, you show them that it's okay, hey, to kill myself for my job and be miserable and be unhealthy, they're going to do the same exact thing. And if it's not serving you, you think it's serving your kids? You think it's going to serve them? No. Okay. So keep that in mind a lot of times when people are like, oh, I do this for my kids. It's like, shut up, man. Yeah. If you did it for your kids, you would set a better example for your kids. 
on how to be successful in life without having to put your health and happiness last, you know? Yeah, I got three kids and one is biologically mine and the rest, the other two are mine through my own choosing and love. And, and uh, I treat them like I treat my biological child. And anytime that they bring a behavior up to me that I notice is in myself, I don't, I, I tell them, you know, Hey, we need to stop doing that. But I also, I need to stop doing that. And the painful lesson that I don't want is watching my kids do my literally live out my shadow and what I'd have to watch my children get sick because I didn't want to change something in my life. And so I'm not willing to do that. And I'm willing to be an adult in those regards. And that means exactly what we're talking about, taking care of myself, making sure I am, you know, looking at things openly and keep an open mind. And sometimes I change, change my mind and that's okay. And I don't have to answer to anyone or rationalize to anyone why I changed my mind. Ultimately, if it's for the better, then great. It helps everyone that, you know, I changed my mind. Like like an easy example, like you hear uh, people arguing if the earth is flat around. If I found out tomorrow that the earth was flat, I would change my mind immediately. I go, cool. That's how I operate now. Now I need you to tell me about the physics and the mechanics and the math that is involved with me now living with whatever is this theory of the earth being flat or the not theory, but the actual thing like, cool. I want to, I want to know the truth and I want to live by that. And if, you know, somehow I'm being, it's being concealed. Wonderful. But right now all the mechanics and all the science and all the math that I operate under, I imagine the earth is round still. So, but that's what, what I'm trying to bring up is if there was some kind of thing that I needed to change my mind in and I recognize that it was the, uh, the new way of operating, then yeah, I'm changing my mind immediately. And I would grieve my old belief system and then welcome the new yeah. because that I would sound no different than a crazy person at that point. I would sound no different than the, than the doctor pushing fentanyl and, and opioids and, um, all these other people that are, you know, impostering saying, yeah, it's okay to get this thing, this surgery and this thing and this, this procedure and this, this medicine. And, you know, they're like, they're empty, but they're not, their heads are nodding. And um, I think that's my closing thought. It's, it's, it's time for more people to be adults. And because people have nice cars, big houses, fancy suits and clothes and, 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 uh, material goods that does not make people actual adults. Yeah. Yeah. Try to do all that while staying happy. If that's even what you want to do, once you figure out that's what's going to actually make you happy, you know, stuff of that sort. So, all right, Alex, well, thanks for, um, thanks for being a guest on the show. I'll definitely try to have you on some other time. I'm pretty sure some other random topics will come up and uh, for your listeners, thanks for joining in. Always good to kind of interact with you guys and, even if this podcast helped one person realize that symptom management is a losing strategy and how to identify it in its many forms, I'm happy about that. So I'm happy to make that. So thank you, everyone, and hope everyone is doing well. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you've ever had trouble losing weight or you've lost weight but still didn't have the ideal body or health you're aiming for, please feel free to reach out anytime and book an assessment. 
Eugene will work with you to cover your goals in detail, see what's holding you back, and go from there. In the meantime, feel free to check out the countless testimonials on Eugene's website in the link below. In the testimonial section you'll notice everyone has various backgrounds, are of all different ages, and all have had different challenges in their life, but they all have one thing in common, they were all able to find their health and achieve their ideal body. You're also welcome to add yourself to the Facebook group in the link below. There you'll have access to the live videos that Eugene does weekly on Sundays and other helpful content. Thank you again for tuning in.